This is Gary Wolf, and here we are with another uh, edition of the Cood Street Advent Calendar in which Jonathan Strawn and I have been talking to uh, authors of books that we were recommending for 2022. And uh, the first and maybe only nonfiction book I've got on this list is, um, is by John Clute. And John is with us, so thank you for joining us, John. Very happy to be here. I'm and in Maine. As it's in, in Chicago, it's uh, it's been quiet and peaceful, and I'm settling in for a long winter's nap pretty soon now. But one of the things I, I one of the nonfiction books that I'll be recommending to people is Sticking to the End, which is what seven books now from uh, Beckon Press of reviews and I've essays and talks. And things. One of, it's seven books of the particular nature of a collection of essays and reviews which I've um, assembled from previous work with one or two new pieces each time and a certain amount of what Neil Harrison calls finessing of the original texts so that they read a bit <laughs> better, but not, but not eliminating the errors or the stupidity. And a few comments made at the time of, of compilation. It's a pattern I've, I ran, I began in 1988. Well, one of the things I don't recall seeing in your earlier books, though, is you talk a lot about films and TV. Uh, and I didn't used to write very much about films and TV, but doing um, the encyclopedia—you're uh, way ahead of me. I mean, well, I mean, what, you've been. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah, what happened was with the Encyclopedia of Science Fiction, which I've been involved with, of course, as you know, since the mid 1970s. Uh, we ran into a point where. We were beginning to run short of anybody to write entries on relatively new material. So I began to do that and got right. my hand and, and tried to work out ways in which I could say things in the SFE context that weren't actually going to be said by reviewers. I found that oddly, um, science fiction, science fiction um, criticism in the, in the cinema can be kind of um, consensual, kind of predictable. A lot of things uh -huh. are said by a lot of people very similarly. And I wanted to kind of make this a bit different. And I used some of the tools of the encyclopedia, some of the link tools, and some of my own deep, vast wisdom at writing book reviews from 50 or 60 years and wrote slightly different film. In. So a, a, a lot of the this material is in the encyclopedia in entries with the title of I don't know, Captain America, for example. Sure. <clears throat> that was not one of my most interesting endeavors, Captain America. That was a necessary one. <laughs> I got really... I, 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 I got admire really you for... Go ahead. West, Westworld, I wrote well over 4,000 words for the entry, which is mm. a full-length full essay, and got very deeply involved and radically disappointed as the structure of the entry and what I was saying um, makes clear articulates in terms of the encyclopedia itself that the second and third season were shit. Mm -hmm. It didn't work. Yeah. That, that, and that there were reasons for that. And, and that, that became part of the, part of the argument that I, from a particular kind of distance was able to, able to kind of, kind of make that the, the, the need for a constant, a constant flow of breakthrough, a constant flow, yeah. reality changing um, was one obviously required by the structure of a, of a series of this sort. But it was also something which I didn't think of at the time, but it made me think very recently, it was yesterday, I think, made me think of, um, of another way 
because we have so many ways we try to, as we're bail this raft that we're floating down this swamp in. Another way to articulate or point out how um, science fiction itself has radically changed over the 50 years I've been, 60 years I've been doing these things. Um, Peter Nichols thought the term conceptual breakthrough was a was central to the operations of science fiction as he was viewing it in 1977 or 8 when he wrote the entry initially. And of course, it's it, it has a lot of employment in terms of genre science fiction, that science fiction can be seen as when it's done properly, it's it's a it's it's something that that the story the outcome is something the story can earn the portal is something that makes for a more understandable, more lucid, better world. But what we have now is conceptual breakthrough um, as an equivalent to the Arabian the Arabian nightmare. That uh-huh. I, it's keeping us in in the in the keeping past. us enthralled. Uh, for the, yeah, Robert Irwin's um. Um, the first novel, Arabian Nightwear, where you are in a dream and there's a portal and you go through the portal because you're waking up, but actually it's just the dream deeper, the nightmare more profound, more endless, and the story not completed. You get deeper and deeper and deeper into incompletion instead of what we used to have through conceptual breakthrough was a sense of completion. And that seemed to be a neat way to think of conceptual breakthrough conceptual breakthrough becomes Arabian nightmare. That's a good uh, a good analogy. And the other thing that occurred to me was a term of yours that uh, you've used quite a bit in reviews, this, which is very common in science fiction, what you call a slingshot ending. But now when you have a multiple season series, a slingshot right. ending, it's no longer an ending. It is not an ending. And, and you know, like once, once it was possible to articulate the term Slingshot ending, which I got from Stan Robinson, Kim Stanley Robinson, oh, okay. original, which I've duly acknowledged many places, and he's very happy to see his term used so very <laughs> because I think he just threw it off at one point. It was a it was a really clever way of understanding how endings work. Um, I guess this was before spoiler, um, the, the Church of Spoiler made an impossible thing about endings, but whatever, we can go into that layer if you want, but. What it, what what it, what it does is is articulate a particular particular something at a particular precious moment in our history when a slingshot ending could be a thrill could be a sense of wonder and now we know yeah. it is only the way a technical way of moving to the next to the next volume to the next yeah. part to the next protagonist you to the next season's uh, yeah. premiere yes I have to I do use it a lot because. It is appropriately used in some instances where it's more evident and where you actually do have two or three possible outcomes and not necessarily a sequel. A slingshot ending actually doesn't really want a sequel. It doesn't want Westworld Part 2. Right. One of the things that happens uh, rarely for critics such as you and myself is to have a kind of direct feedback to fiction writers. In other words, there's a dialogue which has been going on about science fiction, including writers and readers and critics fans uh, for, for decades. But what I'm getting at now is that you're one of the rare critics whose ideas have begun to show up, at least in Lavi Tidhar's fiction. Um, and uh, I think some of the, some parts of the Darkening Garden, his um, escapement uh, was a novel of his last year, I think which he actually clearly just... had just borrowed parts of your theory of horror. Well, at... made, made 
profoundly creative use of a fine idea, you meant to say. Yes, he did. Yes, he, has, he acknowledged. He, he found it, it always was my intention with that kind of, of, of representation of how things move, how structure moves, for it to be as much, if not more, use to authors as it was to readers or critics, fellow critics. I, I took yes. it, I that a long, long time ago, um, to Farr Mendelssohn, whose um, breakdown of the structures of fantasy felt to me taxonomical, which is not to say it was wrong, but it was a very, very different kind of thing. Mine is, mine is almost is, is a kind of verbal. And so it's, can't, if a writer finds it useful, then, then, they have, then they have some moves that lay down that they can obey or disobey. Right. And Neil Gaiman does I mean, it. In one of those he books. does it well. well uh, uh, Samuel R. Delaney did it uh, quite Samuel a bit R. too. Did not, was not influenced by the term. Neil Neil used it. Well, no, no, but he's Samuel R. Delaney was strongly influenced by uh, literary theory in his Neverion books and some other books. Certainly, let's go on to the next question we have here. What are you reading these days that's exciting you? Well, most of what I'm reading that's really exciting me is children's books because there's. The, the, especially English children's books set in the mid nineteen fifties. That's what I want. I want coffins. I want. I want science and ain't going to do any us any harm. I want. I, actually, some of them are actually kind of brilliant books. Down in the cellar by Nicholas Stewart Gray. Um, mm. Some of the John Verney novels. Um, Lucy Boston's um, Green Now series. They they have an intensity of apprehension of a physical world that they as adults know is not permanent but mm-hmm. they they give they give you just you know that precious moment of um, dreaming that you are in a permanent world even though they're about that world changing they there's something in them that i find very very enti- enticing why would that be in 2022 i don't know but it certainly seems to work i that could way. understand entirely the the, the appeal of an apparently stable world. Yeah. And even the, if the apparentness of it is 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 inherent as well. Because the, the greater ones like Lucy Boston, who's of such do, do you know her? Am I talking I know the name. I don't know if I've if I've read anything by her, it would have been so long ago I green, now green like in green and now K N O W E. They were published in, oh, wait. in the mid fifties by Faber. Yeah. I don't I, know I, I very well have come across. Yeah. Are these books at all still in print, or are these? Uh, um, almost all of them are. Yeah. I'm not okay. sure what the. Do you have Do you have seasonal have, books that you come back to or recommend? I, Is, or yeah. This? yeah. Um, the um, I'm venomous. What am I? I wrote it down because I can never remember the fucking title. Lump Sucker by Ned Beeman or Bowman. I don't know whether you've read it. It's come out, I think, in the I States. don't think so. It is an astonishing near future representation of the transformation of the world, seen parodically, seen through hilarious characters, seen with a kind of implacableness that I, that is, at the same time, almost lighthearted, although it's about extinction, about the end of the race, and about the astonishing, ferocious, um, scorpion stupidity of, of our owners. And the title is Lump Sucker? Venomous Lump Sucker. Venomous Lump Sucker. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, that's what I'll look for. It's, 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 it's completely new to me. Yeah. It's a, 
I think it may have just come out recently in the States. And it's Ned Beeman or Bowman, B-E-A-U-M-A-N. And he has published, this is his fifth novel, I think. Um, the, the Teleportation Accident is the previous science fiction novel that he's published. I've seen he, that title. Yes, I've not seen it. Okay, this sounds fascinating. He's not published as a genre, right? So, and I was reading also, I was reading it actually before. I didn't even, I didn't even know it was up with the Clark because I'm not following the award structure as closely as I used to. But um, Harry, Harry Josephine Giles's Deep Wheel Orcadia, which is a book-length poem with space opera implications set on a space habitat in the solar system, which it's, whose relationship to the planet, it doesn't exactly orbit, but is in proximity to, is very similar to that of Arcadia to Britain. But uh-huh. it's, not, okay. it's not metaphor written. It's written in Arcadian dialect with an English translation. And the English translation gloss is fascinating analysis of how you can make one language not sound like the other language, but be a be a parallel construction. It's all in poetry. The, the the Orcadian is in poetry is 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 actual verse. The translations, as I recollect, are not. It's just a dance of forms, and it's fun, and it's funny. It tells a story, and it won the Arthur C. Clarke Award. It's something so, I'll keep an eye out for as well. I don't think uh, it's I don't think it's appeared in the states. And okay, one more, uh, this. Well, it's one of the frustrating things is that you more and more it's fine. I'm finding that things are appearing in the states only in ebook format or not at all. Uh, there's some uh, some uh, British novelists that I think are very important who are not getting published here now, uh, and the yeah. situation doesn't seem to be getting better. I'm 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 so shocked by that, absolute terrorized by shock and surprise. The third one I was reading was something that's a few years old. You may have run across it. It's Ian Pears's, um, um Arcadia from 2000. Yes, that I, I know something about. I, I did not read it, but I certainly know the name. I certainly have I seen had the reviews. I had the feeling um, before beginning it that it was going to be um, mainstream writer of SF kind of book. Yes. With, with all the problems that that entails and all the insults to one's knowledge and understanding of how a story should work that that entails, but it's not. In Pairs or Peers, um, an instance of the Finger Post, his 1996 novel, which I've not read, which is non-genre, has actually become a fairly famous book. But uh-huh. he he has a proclivity to to contour tuplications of story told very very clearly and this uh, this arcadia is is set at three the, the the central generating moment is 1960 in a pub in oxford where talking and lewis used to go on saturdays uh-huh. yes but subsequent academics are following the tradition and at least two of the significant large parts of this three-part novel are actually, as it were, manifestations of stories being told in that pub. So, and there is a there is a there is a great um, there's a large amount of time travel. There's a temporal adventurous straight out of Michael Moorcock. There are there is a play in the land of Arcadia, which is called something else. I forget what it's called. It's a very bad name. But are, are these club stories in the sense of being told uh, in the club, like Tales from the White Heart or something along those lines? Except that 
it's far more subtle than that. Well, we I'm know sure. that, we know that there are these stories that they're being told, but they're not when when we're in the stories, they're not being told. They're stories that okay. they're realities. Right. They're realities that exist. So there is that club story um nucleus, but but it but you don't have that interplay of witnessing um, that verifies and challenges the story as you go through. It's it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. But works more that you have to eventually work it out that these stories are the stories, or that mm-hmm. they have relationship to story. Sounds like fun. It's a lot of, and the Arcadia part is actually without it really being mentioned. Although there are hints here and there, like the. Like the female lead's name is, she's called Rosalind. Um, it's straight up as you like it. It's a it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a rewriting of as you like it. Um, in a in in a genuine genuine Arcadia. And one another part of it is a is the usual UK dystopia, 150 years hence, where everything yeah. looks more or less the way it does right now. <laughs> yeah, right. And the third yeah, part, of course, is the is the part set in 1960, which is complicated. Which- it ends up being what we call what we call in the encyclopedia a time opera. Well, speaking of the encyclopedia, the last question we promised to ask everybody is what what to expect next. And I guess obviously we can expect another million words of encyclopedia somewhere down the line. But um, I gather sure. I gather from from the introduction. Right, no. <laughs> well, how many how many words is the encyclopedia as of right now as of, as we're speaking? Um, six million six hundred thousand approximately, and of, so, of which, of which I have written two million nine hundred and thirty-three thousand. I remember that because I'm now trying at this advanced age to hit three million, and I may do it by the end of twenty-three. In which case, you will have written more about science fiction and fantasy than anyone who ever lived, and in alphabetical order, and in alphabetical order, which is even better. <laughs> But I also understand our friend Roger Robinson, who published my collections of essays as well as yours, has now ended Beckon Press with sticking to the end as its last publication. He is ending Beckon Press as an active um, publisher. He is not ending it as as a as a as a source of. Um, place where where you want to buy the books, you can go to. Oh yeah, write. yeah. I, I should make that. I should make no, it clear that. Yes, people can still get sticking to the end, and they can still get. Well, I'd actually, get your three is three, isn't it? That you did. I've got three, yeah. Uh, and Paul Kincaid has two or three, I think. Um, two. Um, I had so I had I, I have about five, maybe six. I can't. Okay, remember. because uh, yeah, yours go back to Circonia was the first one, wasn't it? Circonia did the um, first of these um, assemblages okay. I was talking about. Uh, um, strokes in 1988. So, well, we're with Liverpool University Press. Um, in yes, a few years, which years ago, and then I, then I, then I grew up and went to over to Beckon. <laughs> we're past our time. Well, we, we're always going to run past time, but uh, we can, we can, we can chat more afterwards. But I want to thank you again for being on this special edition of Coot Street. This has been John Clute. Yeah. And it's been very, very good to talk with you again after, I think, Finland was the last time. Fin- after Finland, Finland was the last time we recorded together. That's true. We just together then. So, so until the next time, this has been the Coon Street Podcast.